everybody. Welcome to Every Nation. So glad that you're here with us this morning. Wherever you find yourself, maybe it's a backyard or a living room or you're by yourself, it doesn't really matter. I'm just glad you're here. Uh, we're going to be starting a new series today. We just wrapped up our Spiritual Gifts series, even though we still have seminars on those uh, continuing uh, here throughout the summer. But we are moving on into a new series, and what we're calling it is Dimensions of Love. And we're going to be looking at the book of 1 Peter in a very, with a bit of a fine-tooth comb. And what we've done is we've pulled out uh, throughout 1 Peter different, what we're just calling dimensions of love. And it's almost as though we're going to take the idea of love and do, I think what Peter was doing and, and when he wrote this letter, is he's kind of holding it out here and he's looking at love and he's looking at it from a bunch of different angles. And it's almost like it's a multi-sided dice. And so perhaps that we'll get a, we'll get a good understanding of what love looks like, uh, how it impacts the way that we live, its profound, the profound nature of it, as we kind of stare at it from a bunch of different angles. And here's the angles that we're going to look at it through. You can put that slide up. <clears throat> it looks like uh, hope, looks like community, looks like honor, passion, suffering, leadership, faithfulness. These are all elements of, uh, of what love is comprised of. And so love is a very rich, complicated, beautiful word that takes lots of explaining. And I think it'll be timely for us because these topics, uh, I think it are going to be helpful in the life uh, of our church. So today we get to look at hope. Um, just a simple question to start things off with as we look at the topic of hope. When you think about that word, what is it that you hope for every day? What do you wake up and go, man, I hope this happens. Maybe it's a question you don't ask yourself intentionally every morning. But uh, if we stop and think, it actually, the, the idea of hope is a profoundly impactful <laughs> idea for how it shapes the way we live and um, the decisions that we make. So, I mean, for instance, if, if you were hoping for a good time, that would dramatically uh, shape the decisions you made. If, it was, if, if today was going to be about fun, that will, that will <laughs> dramatically dictate the, uh, your schedule. What if it's about success? I hope I succeed today. Well, that's going to have implications into the choices you make. Now, in Scripture, and here in 1 Peter, the hope, in 1 Peter chapter 1, which is what we're looking at today, it, it says that our hope should be in uh, eternity. Our hope should be very forward-looking to like the returning of Jesus uh, and what that means today. Our hope every day needs to be uh, resurrection, salvation, the return of Christ. And now when you hear that, that doesn't seem to be uh, the, the implications of that being our hope every day. Hope every day don't seem quite as obvious as I want to have a good time or I want to succeed. And yet... 1 Peter chapter 1 is making a very strong case that this does need to be our hope and that it's not some impractical thing. It's actually the most foundational piece of who we are is what we're hoping for. And that hope is probably the most profound uh, uh, dictator of what we choose to do. So we're going to explore the topic of hope. And you're going to need your Bibles today. Uh, if you have one on your phone or you have one with you, uh, you can open up to 1 Peter chapter 1. We're going to be bouncing around in it a bunch. Uh, 1 Peter chapter 1 is not its not orchestrated as a sermon. It's orchestrated as a letter. So we're going to have to move around it a bunch. So it's good to have it open. Starting here in verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. So, does this reality of being born into what's called a living hope here, that's through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, uh, does that seem 
as though it's a hope that shapes your life. I don't know about you, but when I read that, it kind of gives off this idea that this, this is a distant and impractical sort of hope. Okay, so Jesus conquered death. Great, death's later. Uh, so I guess that'll play out when I die. Hopefully I don't die too soon. And it's kind of like a distant thing. Uh, what about this concept of an inheritance? Well, it says it's kept in heaven for us. So that sounds kind of later too. So what about hope for this kingdom, uh, Christ's reign, his return, his resurrection, uh, the idea that he's conquered death and that we have an inheritance in heaven. Um, what does that have to do with today? Uh, we get to draw a fun little picture today. That's why we got a whiteboard here. And so this perhaps is the way that you would view uh, death and heaven and hell. So this is, this is a, sort of a classic view. And I think it's largely how evangelicals view uh, the way things the way things are and so this is this is the typical diagram is so here we've got we've got earth you know this is earth and then there's this time timeline this is your and my life and then at some point we die here and then we've got like two places that we go we go to we go to heaven or we go to hell this is kind of the classic thing and this that moment happens right here at death you know, and you're, I'm, I don't know, what am I, a third of the way through? So I'm like here. <laughs> I, turned, I turned 33 this year. It's kind of a third of 100. I don't know if I'll live to 100. But let's say optimistically I'm a third. My wife wants it to be a third. I'm supposed to live to 100. That's the deal. So uh, I'm right about there. This is kind of the typical way. And all of this resurrection stuff, inheritance, you know, Jesus overcoming death, it all kind of plays out way over here. So... But if we read this passage and we have it up there, it says that we've been, that he has given us a new birth. He's given us. So that's past tense. <laughs> He's given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus. So you'd think that this has implications for today. He's given it to us. So uh, perhaps, this is what we're going to be arguing for today, is that uh, what's really going on is that this sort of scenario is actually playing out right here in this moment. There's something about today that has to do with heaven and hell. There's something about today that has to do with the kingdom and all that the kingdom isn't. So this is what we're going to be looking at today. And this kind of decision just creeps along in our life. And it's almost as though every day or every moment has to do with our future hope. So hopefully you're still tracking with me. Uh, here's, what, here's the way that First Peter describes this. And this is in verse 23. It says, for you have been born again. Again, past tense or like present. You're, you're already born again. Not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. So here's the way, here's the way First Peter would kind of say it is down here, we've got perishable things. And up here, we've got imperishable things. Imperishable. This is the way that first Peter would describe it. So we need to kind of explore these terms. Uh, first Peter's going, every day, there is, there's perishable options, 
and there's imperishable options. So first, let's look at what, what, what is, what's perishable. Let's look, let's look at what he's talking about here. We'll need verse 14 for this. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. The NASB says it this way, as obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts which were yours in your ignorance. So the whole passage is about this, this hope that matters today. And Peter is saying that there's, don't, don't do what you used to do. Don't have evil desires. Okay, so uh, our desires are evil because they're perishable. We have all kinds of desires and they aren't that great. But if we follow them, what Peter's saying here is that we have a bunch of evil desires. And if we follow them, that's evil because those things are going to pass away. So uh, we, can do the, we can do the things that are, we can look at our desires, just some classic ones, and go, all right, let's do the does this perish, spoil, or fade test. Okay, so we've, we, can, we can look at the things that we're sort of putting our hope in. We can look at the things that we're going, oh, this is, this is what's framing my day. I want to be successful today, and that's going to dictate my decision. So there's some of them like power. Does that pass the perish, spoil, fade test? I don't think it does. Feelings, those fade. Security, that fades. Beauty fades. Even putting our hope in a romantic partner that fades. Those things spoil. They perish. <laughs> Your significant other's going to die. Like there's this, there's, there's all of these things that seem to have our, that frame our hopes and our decisions. That Peter's saying here is like, they're evil. Not in, in and of themselves, but they're evil if our hope is in them. Because they're going to pass away. So then the question sort of begs to be asked is, if we know they'll fade, why do we why do we keep putting our hopes in perishable things every day? It just seems so intuitive, doesn't it? Well, I mean, there's some benefits. They're, they're really practical and they're really simple. You know, if you want to feel good today, there's some really simple, practical solutions for that. <laughs> it's not complicated. Some people are more sophisticated about it. And, uh, but, you know, of, of course, the idea of an addiction would be this idea that feeling good has become our ultimate hope. And it's, it's easy to see how that is a perishable idea. And Peter's saying that's that's evil. It's gonna, it's not gonna, it's not a good place to have your hope. So the Bible would call putting our hope in perishable things. Uh, the Bible uses the word sin, and sin has this. Uh, sin is always immediate. There's a there's a guarantee that sin will always have. If you feel tempted to sin, I'm 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 almost certain that there will be an immediate benefit to that decision. But by, de by definition, that immediate benefit, sin has no future hope. It's almost as though we've said, you know, I don't have a vision beyond myself right now. I don't have a vision beyond um, these, this perishable hope of mine, but I don't really know what else to do. So this will just have to do to place my hope and my security in. And Peter's come along and saying, yeah, there's actually a better option for that. So in this particular passage, it says that you, uh, you know, don't, don't conform to your evil desires when you lived in ignorance. So there's a couple options here is we can choose this, this, this perishable life of sin because we just don't know that there's something imperishable. No one told, no one told you yet. And I think that when we hear about the good news of Jesus, one of the main things that happens is someone would hear that and go, do you mean there's something that won't die? 
like, have you ever thought about the way that that's, that's what you're doing when you're sharing the gospel with somebody, or you're sharing the reality of who Jesus is? That you're saying, hey, you, you know all this stuff that you're putting your hope in that maybe keeps letting you down, and even if it's working, you know it's going to fade? <laughs> you know that there's something that actually won't perish? Have you ever thought about that being the gospel message? Or at least one aspect of it? Another thing is we could just not care, you know? We can, we can not know, but we can also just not care. And sin just sort of begins to meet our needs. And we can very successfully, even, you know, Christians are actually very good at this too. We can very successfully not even need this future hope in day-to-day life because the things that are perish are kind of working. They're kind of working for us. Or there's something that happens to me too is we just forget. We, we walk around in everyday life, we get distracted. And the practicality and simplicity of perishable hopes are just so accessible. And we forget you know, and then we, we sort of click our tongues at Israel all the time, right? In those Old Testament stories where, you know, they're worshiping a golden calf. And like three pages ago, <laughs> they're walking through the Red Sea, <gasps> a miracle of miracles. And you're just like, come on, guys, really? A golden calf? Like you, you were spared from... But we do this all the time, you know? God comes through in some miraculous way where it's like, that was for sure you. And then four or five days later, we forgot about him. And we're putting our hope in something perishable instead. So you see how this is a concerning, uh, this is concerning because of how easily it happens. And Peter here in this first chapter is going, there's something that won't perish. And it's worth hoping in every single day. So this is what we talked about the perishable. Now let's talk about what's imperishable. What is imperishable? Oh, sorry. I have one more verse I wanted to read just on the perishable idea. In 1 Corinthians 15, 32, it says this. If I fought wild beasts in Ephesus, which I guess is a great, good thing. <laughs> I, don't, I don't really know what that means, but I think it's, I think it's a good, that's an accolade. Uh, if I fought wild beasts in Ephesus with no more than human hopes, what have I gained? If the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink for tomorrow we die. And this is, a, that's a profound idea. If the dead aren't raised... If there's nothing imperishable, well, it's eat and drink for tomorrow we die. And this is the way, largely, the world operates. Uh, the idea of a resurrection is a distant, far-off thought that might have something to do with the end of my life, maybe. But because it's not present, that reality doesn't shape our everyday. It, we kind of have this, let's eat and drink for tomorrow we die. And in Corinthians, Paul is saying here, man, if the dead aren't raised, what's the point? If there's no resurrection, if there's nothing that won't die, what's the point? So the question becomes for us, what is it that won't die? What is it that's imperishable for us? We'll go back to 1 Peter here, verse 22. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have a sincere love for one another, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. So verse 22 says, love one another deeply. Verse 23 says, because you've been born again. Love because you're new. Love each other from the heart because as a result for you, have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable. So we can conclude here that love 
is imperishable, that the result of being new is a life of love. And we've been born into that life. We've been born into it, into a new way of life that actually doesn't end. It's, 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 it's heaven. It's eternal. Love and a life of it is eternal. So we talk about, you know, the kingdom of love, the kingdom of heaven being this eternal thing. But I love the idea that it's also called the kingdom of love. And, you know, sometimes things can get a little tricky because it's, there is a sense in which the kingdom is coming and it's not here yet in its fullness. And then there's another sense in which it's already started. It's already started. Jesus walked around and said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He, he announced his, his ministry by going, uh, the kingdom of heaven starts now. If you follow me, it starts right now and I'm building it right now. So we are to put our hope in love. We're to put our hope in the kingdom that he's established in love. Okay, so, I mean, just reminding us uh, uh, of the verse that we already read back in verse three, you can look back there if you want. In his great mercy, he's given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So here's what's so essential about the resurrection is that res the resurrection that happens, and Jesus was the first one, the resurrection that happens proves that this love thing actually conquers death. So this is, oh man, this is, I know this is hard to wrap your head around and I have a hard time with it too, so stay with me. Um, love in its essence, because God is love, doesn't die. It can't. Love is love is what God is. And God can't die, and he is love. Therefore, this idea that Jesus resurrected, he lived this perfect life of love, right? He lived this perfect life of love. And uh, it, because he did that, not even death has power over him anymore. And we get to this, this kingdom of love. Like we look at the resurrection, it's like that's our promise that love can't die. So what are we hoping in? We're hoping in the fact that love actually conquers death. So every time we love like Jesus, uh, another part of an imperishable kingdom is built. There's another way of viewing this whole thing uh, that uh, might be interesting for you too, is that uh, this is kind of a different way of viewing the, the whole idea, is we've got, got two realms here. And we've got heaven, this is heaven, and we've got earth. Okay? And the intersection of these two things is like where heaven meets earth, Jesus describes as the kingdom. Pretty neat, right? So, so this right here is where heaven meets earth. It's at the cross. It's at this death and resurrection moment. And he's saying love, that's what the picture of the cross is, is the picture of ultimate love. That is where heaven meets earth. That's where the kingdom is. It's not this distant decision over here. This moment right now is happening all the time. So it's kind of like this moment is, you know, somehow in here. Forgive the two diagrams. But one day, this is coming this way. But do you know how it's, you know how it's arriving? It's arriving by all of these little cross moments. I wish I had colors because I'd make this color 
this color. <laughs> and heaven is arriving to the degree that every time we love, every time that we uh, live like Jesus, we're advancing the kingdom of heaven into this. Isn't that cool? So this, these moments are happening all the time where we're choosing between something perishable or something imperishable. And love is imperishable. And we're bringing these moments with us. We're advancing the kingdom on earth as we participate in this heavenly idea, this heavenly kingdom. And one day these, these two things are going to come together and it's going to be this beautiful, you know, it's described as a, as a city where Jesus reigns and that's going to be in its fullness and then hell's actually over here, you know, and it's the hell that we have is kind of getting pushed out, you know, and it's just it's over there somewhere and then Jesus reigning here. So this is the idea that it's coming in its fullness. But right now the Holy Spirit is already building the groundwork for the kingdom through you and I living lives of an imperishable love. So that's, kind of, that's a nice thought. <laughs> so why don't we do this every day? Why don't we hope in this imperishable thing every day? Why don't we advance the kingdom? It sounds like a pretty noble mission, pretty noble call. That all these things aren't going to die and we're not going to live in this realm. We're going to live in this one. So why don't we do this? Well, here's the rub, guys, is that you have to leave behind everything that's perishable. And we like a lot of those things. Uh, here's the grand irony. You are perishable. I'm perishable. My sin nature, what I was born into, is perishable. It is going to die. So let's read Matthew 16, verse 24. It says it well. Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple, someone who follows him, someone who's part of this kingdom, someone who's advancing his mission through the work of the cross, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. This moment right here, guys, that happens every single day is our little cross. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it. Perishable. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world? You can gain the world even though it's dying. You can gain it. It's right there. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Your soul, that's imperishable. Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then will reward each person according to what they have done. What are we to do? What are we doing? <laughs> we're loving other people, and we're taking up our cross every day, and we're advancing this imperishable kingdom. So here's what, here's the great part. Eternal life costs you everything. Good news is, is that everything is perishable. So it's actually a pretty great deal. <laughs> Eternal life costs you absolutely everything. And we look at that everything and I'm like, oh, well, that everything's going to die. Back to 1 Peter, verse 18 says this, For you know that it was not with perishable things 
such as silver or gold that you are redeemed. You're redeemed, right? But you weren't redeemed. You don't have access to this. You don't have access to this with just silver or gold. Uh, you weren't redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you by your ancestors with silver or gold. So this is the empty way of life, right? You weren't redeemed from this empty way of life with silver or gold. Silver or gold can't buy this. Silver or gold is just more perishable stuff. But you were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. You, a mortal, fickle, selfish person, was deemed worthy of an imperishable sacrifice. The imperishable one, Jesus, right here, inaugurated his kingdom uh, by, laying, by, by becoming perishable for you. The, the, we were, we were, this was, we're, we're given access to this. We're given this hope through the sacrifice of someone who was imperishable. It says, I'm going to take all the things, I'm going to take all the things that we're going to kill. I'll take it upon myself and give you access to heaven through things that last. This is amazing. And we, we are, we get to participate in that same kind of life. And we get to go, wow, you know, we're, we're overwhelmed by this idea that we've been given access to, to eternal life through someone who was eternal, <laughs> laying their life down on our behalf. It's profound. Verse 8, though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you don't see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy, for you're receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. You guys, this, we receive the end result of our faith now. We receive it now. And this is salvation. Like Matthew, like Jesus was saying in Matthew, whoever tries to, tries to gain his life will lose it. The irony is that this looks a lot like death. This looks a lot like death, but it's the death of all that will die anyway. What good is it to gain the world if, if, if you forfeit your soul? And so as we love, and as we, as we put our hope in the fact that love doesn't perish, we experience the end result of our faith, the salvation of our souls here and today. So what are we hoping in? This is where we'll conclude. My hope every day, and I pray that it is for you too, my hope is that love doesn't perish. And when we love other people, it looks a lot like cross moments, doesn't it? When you and I love the way that Jesus loved, what do you know? It looks like our own little crosses. And, and, uh, and it takes hope to love in the cross kind of way. Jesus was hoping in a resurrection. You better believe he was. The Old Testament prophesied there was going to be a resurrection. So Jesus is going to the cross, going, love doesn't perish. He's going to the cross. Of course, he was perfect and he's giving us access. He's got a bit of a different task than we did, but in, in essence, it's the same. He's going, love won't perish. Love is eternal. The cross was just the natural consequence of his love for us. We decided to kill him and we kind of do every day. And so uh, when we choose to love other people, we have to remember and go, our hope is that love doesn't perish. And God's already building his, little, his, his kingdom through every time we have an act of love. 
if I can nerd out for just a second. Some people think that the, the Holy Spirit is at work here in, in through you and I to help us love others as kind of like a trial run for the future kingdom, you know? Like, oh, here, live by the Spirit, and you're going to get a taste of what the real kingdom is like. God's going to come and wipe all this away and then build a new thing. There's other schools of thought, which I tend to align with, is that the Holy Spirit's already constructing his kingdom that Jesus is going to build on one day. So every time we love someone in the way that Jesus loved us, we create this little eternal brick, <laughs> and it's placed in this eternal kingdom as a foundation. So parents, when you're loving your teenager yet again, and they don't understand, and you love them again <laughs> in a way that they keep trampling on, that thing that you just did is eternal, even if they don't respond. That, that friend that keeps taking advantage of you, that family member that won't change, that situation at work where you're totally misunderstood, and we choose and we go, I'm going to let what's perishable in my heart, the sin and the desires that I have in this world, I'm going to let those perish. I'm going to take up my cross and I'm going to build a kingdom of love because I know that if I live a life of love, I'm building something eternal and I'm receiving the end result of my faith right now. I'm receiving salvation. I'm living in the kingdom of love already. I'm already living in an eternal way. That's freedom. And Paul's addressing people here who are suffering for Christ and they're experiencing death and persecution every day. And he's going, even in your suffering, even, in the, even when you choose to love those that are actually literally killing you, there's a resurrection and the love that you're showing them even unto death is eternal. It can't, you can't, you, death has been conquered if you live this life of love. So guys, I have a hope for us here as, as a church. I have a hope. And what I hope is, is that we will hope that love is imperishable and we will live this kind of life and see God's kingdom advanced because of the hope that we believe every day. You see how practical this is? You see how practical love is? Let me pray for us. Father, I thank you that you've given us this unbelievable access to an imperishable eternal kingdom. And Lord, I pray that we would put our hope in it every single day, that we wouldn't put our hope in our desires that we put our hope in something that lasts, that we put our hope in something that, that has actually conquered death. So Father, I pray for everyone listening right now that feels as though the things that they're holding on to maybe are not worth it. Maybe there's an emptiness. Maybe there's a feeling of uh, like this just isn't worth it. God, I pray that you would, by your spirit right now, fill us with a hope that, that we would view the resurrection, we would view the way that you chose to live and die and be raised. We would view that as like, wow, that is my guarantee that there's something that won't perish. So Father, we choose now to put our hope in that and we wanna follow you into this life of love. Thank you for being our living hope, our living hope that leads us into new eternal life here and now, not in some distant way, but here now today. And we pray that the church would be built as a result, that your kingdom would be advanced. In Jesus' name, amen.